Hi. The aim of this talk is to give a different perspective on what depression is for those of you who, <clears throat> I guess, have depression. And for those who don't really understand what depression is, it is to, I guess, explain it in more from a certain point of view. <clears throat> Let's get into it. <clears throat> um, first off, depression does not equal sadness. I think that's something that really needs to be made, made clear in today's culture, the Western culture. Um, I live in the Western culture. I'm not so sure about the Eastern culture. I don't know how people use the term depression. But in Western culture, we use the word depression when we are feeling sad, you know, when we're feeling like we want to cry maybe, or we're just not feeling well. And so we just feel, you know, not good. But depression is not sadness. And that really needs to stop. Um, depression is already a confusing term. It's already not exactly a clear term. And for us to use it on a more, I guess, casual basis to describe our sadness does not help clarify it. And then it gets thrown around and the people who actually have depression have a hard time, I guess, being... Uh, tended to let's say so um yeah please stop using depression the word depression when you're sad and <sighs> i get it right um i think i think it's something like something like we use the word depression because it's kind of like a uh it's like a pop word right now we kind of use it um what's that word Whimsically, I think is the word. We kind of use it just as a throwaway word, throwaway word, because we are too embarrassed to say that we're sad or something like that. That's what it sounds like to me. That's what it seems like. <clears throat> because when we say that we're sad, you know, when we say that I'm not feeling happy or I'm feeling sad because something, something, right? Then it requires for us to be vulnerable. And being vulnerable is not something that's easy to do, right? Because being vulnerable means like you're vulnerable, right? And we don't really live in a world that's, uh, I guess, um, what's it? We don't live in a world where being vulnerable is a good thing most of the time, you could say. You kind of need to learn to be vulnerable in a way that also allows you to still stay strong. And that's quite paradoxical, right? And that's not really something to talk about in this video. So we move on. <clears throat> so um, might as well start off with what the DSM uh, has as the criteria for depression, right? I'm pretty sure this is the DSM-4. Um, I got to this, if you look behind me, um, it's a printout. I believe it was the DSM-4, which I got maybe a few years ago to really clarify what depression is. <clears throat> so, 
to be diagnosed with depression, you have to have had five of these symptoms, right? With at least the one of the first two, which I'll describe in a bit, for nearly every day within a two-week period. All right. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, please. And so, these symptoms are one depressed mood and what they mean by that is basically you feel like you have no emotion right um, it also I mean one of the examples it includes is sadness but then two other examples is emptiness and hopelessness right <clears throat> and then two is diminished interest or pleasure so that you either have to have one of those two to f like qualify for being diagnosed with depression in addition to four more. Right, so one of those two. And then the next one is significant weight loss or weight gain. And then there is insomnia or hypersomnia, which is basically um, excess sleep or lack of sleep. And then there's psychomotor agitation or retardation. And from my understanding, it's basically you feel really restless or you feel very slow, I guess, both mentally and physically. Next is fatigue or loss of energy. Next is feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt. Next is diminished ability to think or concentrate and indecisiveness. So that's in one. And then the last one is recurrent thoughts of death, recurrent suicide ideation without a specific plan or a suicide attempt or a specific plan for committing suicide. All right, now, we just looked at the nine symptoms that you have to have within a two-week period for nearly every day of that two-week period, right? And you need to have at least five of them. And one of them has to at least be the depressed mood or diminished interest or pleasure, right? So that's how you would be labeled as, I guess, specifically um, the one that I was using, I guess, and I should clarify is major depressive disorder. And then if you look at that, Right, pretty much none of them, none of the symptoms were like really clearly mentioned sadness. All right, so that's something to take note of. Depression is again not sadness. Depression, we'll move on to what it is, but yeah, so that's yeah, let's move on. All right, so now on to where depression comes from. This is from, I guess, um, through my studies as. I studied, um, so I have a Bachelor of Psychological Science and I have a Graduate Diploma in Counseling and now I'm currently practicing. So where, and then this is my approach to, I guess, mental disorders in general as well. Um, I like to look at it in a more holistic way or like humane way or like an origin way. I guess rather than looking at the surface level, which is just looking at the labeling all right, so let's move on to where it comes from. <sighs> All right, so there's a concept where emotions are divided into primary and secondary emotions, maybe even more, right? But for the sake of this uh, talk, I will be mainly talking about primary emotions. Um, we might get to secondary emotions. Actually, we'll talk about secondary emotions now. Yes. 
So primary emotions, for example, let's say you have sadness, right? So you feel sadness. Oh, I think I have some. It's stuck in my throat. So you feel sadness, and then you choose to not experience the sadness. You choose to not process process the sadness. What happens then is basically you suppress the sadness, right? And so because you have denied the sadness, your body still actually needs to basically output or take out the sadness or process it in some way or other. So what, it ha what happens is it goes to the secondary emotion. So it gets converted into, for example, anger, right? And your sadness comes out as anger. So it's not the actual emotion, but it is an emotion nonetheless. If that makes sense. Um, I think anger, there's also times where anger is a uh, primary emotion, right? When, for example, you feel that some injustice has been done to you, you will feel anger. So that's more of the primary emotion form of anger. All right, so let's move on. Uh, what we're going to be talking about are primary emotions. So what we're feeling and not what it has been converted to or transformed into as a result of us denying what we felt. So <clears throat> imagine that primary emotions, so happiness, sadness, uh, you know, anger from injustice, uh, fear, stuff like that, are all on one gauge, right? And so I drew, so it's like a gauge, right? This is the gauge. And this is the gauge of emotion, right? Where the more intense your emotion, the higher the gauge goes, right? Cool. <clears throat> so it's all on one gauge, and this gauge measures the intensity of emotions. Or you could even say that emotions are simply levels of intensity. Um, and they're all on one gauge. So what this means is that regardless of the emotion you're feeling, your body kind of, in a sense, only registers whether it's feeling at a high level or a low level. And then it's a bit complex, so I won't go into it, but then it's kind of like there's another kind of measuring system for determining what emotion you're feeling, right? But they're connected. So there's this gauge of intensity for your emotions. And let's say you're feeling sadness. Let's say when I was a kid, I felt sadness. I was told, or, or I wanted to cry. I was told by my mom that boys don't cry. She'd be like, shush, in a, in a kind of endearing way, right? She'd be like, you know, shush, hush, it's okay, boys don't cry. And then people around me would be, would say things like, oh, you know, men don't complain, suck it up, you know, you're a man, you know, do you want to grow up strong? You want to, you then you don't complain, you don't get sad, you don't get angry, whatever, right? So that was when I was a kid, that's like around, you know, 20 years ago. And 20 years ago is a long time ago, but... Last year, an anime called Demon Slayer came out. For those of you who watch anime, you will most likely know it. And there was a part where one of the characters basically said something along the lines of, men suck it up. So we haven't really progressed that far in terms of uh, learning to express our emotions. <clears throat> so what this does in terms of us not allowing ourselves to feel sadness, in this case, it affects the gauge in this way. So we are feeling levels of sadness, right? <clears throat> we are feeling levels of sadness. It goes up 
and then this is what we need like when we feel an emotion we can't really deny emotion we need to feel it so we're feeling sadness it goes up what we do is we push it down right and so now we're not allowing ourselves to feel the intensity of sadness but ultimately we're not allowing ourselves to feel the intensity of any emotion so what does that do it means that we are also when the time comes not allowing ourselves to feel happiness or joy or excitement you know or fear you know <clears throat> anxiety stuff like that we are literally denying ourselves completely of feeling emotions you can't choose to deny sadness and only be happy you can't choose to deny happiness and only be sad it's like you know um you don't know you can't know what sadness is unless you are happy and vice versa just like you can't know what light is unless there was darkness and vice versa <clears throat> your body needs to have both or just all the emotions it's just all on one gauge right that's the intensity thing <clears throat> so we're pushing down right the uh, intensity of emotions and so what we're doing is we're depressing the emotions right that is therefore depression um is one simple way of putting it <clears throat> now back to the criteria how we talked about how i mentioned or we talked about things so some of the symptoms were uh let's see fatigue or loss of energy right we have uh, diminished diminished interest or pleasure we have uh, this diminished ability to think or concentrate so these things go in line with what happens so when you are depressing your emotions that is quite exhausting <clears throat> and so because you have basically spent all your energy depressing your emotions right this is not it's not it's it's very draining so obviously you would therefore not have the energy to do anything else so therefore you're just fatigued and you know you don't feel like doing anything you don't really want to do anything you're tired why are you tired you're not sure right? you didn't do anything today you didn't do physical activity you didn't really socialize but you're feeling tired anyways why is that maybe it's because you chose or you've been pushing down your emotions maybe <laughs> So yeah, it's no wonder that we don't want to do anything because we, we, we don't have the energy to do anything. We spent it to depress our emotions. Now, <clears throat> that sounds like I kind of summed it up really fast, but it's a long process, right? It's, it's not something that um, happens instantly. Obviously, it happens over time. And then it gets to a point where it becomes depression, right? It doesn't start off as like that. I think you maybe if you think back to when you were a child, there were a lot of times when you felt very strong emotions, <clears throat> but it was just too overwhelming for you. And so you had to find a way to not feel it, right? Because it's just too overwhelming. You can't handle it. You need to um, make it go away. And like I said before, maybe your parents or somebody told you that to not cry or to not feel stuff. Various reasons, right? Everybody has their own circumstances. Um, I can't list the whole exhaustive list. <clears throat> so we'll move on. I guess we're kind of skipping it, I guess, but um, this is what I have in my notes. So I couldn't really think of how else to go further. 
So we'll leave it out there for now and we'll move on to what can you do to make it better. Okay, this isn't um, this isn't something that's, you know, it's just like it's not something you can just do and then you're instantly better. Um, because it's not that simple, right? To put it bluntly, um, that's not how life works. But anyways, what can you do to, I guess, uh, maybe just even make your day a little bit better or maybe even go work towards being completely better or a lot better, all right? What can you do with this? <clears throat> and the simple answer is to start learning to recognize and process your emotions. This is a lot easier said than done because uh, it's hard to explain this, but let's say you are depressed, right? That has become your norm. That is normal for you now. The feelings that you have as a depressed person, you are not a depressed person to yourself. You are just you. And so whatever it is that you're feeling, that's just what you normally feel. And to recognize it as something that shouldn't be doesn't make sense because how can it shouldn't be when this is how you are, right? It's normal for you. So this is how things should be. But yeah, you got to learn to recognize when it is that basically you are not allowing yourself to feel. Yeah. I don't really want to elaborate too much because then by go by being too specific, it um it will make it harder to relate to you, relate for you. And I think that the main message is just about feeling. However, in whatever form that means for you. Right. So let's see. So some ways to do this. Um, these are just, you know, some suggestions. Uh, it's not exhaustive. There are yeah, probably many other ways to do it. But I think these are pretty standard and uh, obvious and easier to do. So some of the ways to do this, to um, recognizing, to start recognizing your emotions and stuff like that, is to talk with your friends. Talk with a good friend, by the way, not, I guess, talk with like an acquaintance. Although sometimes, you know, talking to a stranger might really give you perspective on yourself, right? Because they just don't know you. And so they can just give you thoughts in a way that is unfiltered, uncensored. Right, so you can have a good friend to talk to or talk to a stranger. You can write in a personal diary and you got to really, with writing in a diary, you can't just, it's quite a mentally um, demanding task, right? You can't just do it casually. You kind of have to really, you know, sit there maybe in like a quiet room or something, or maybe if you want relaxing music, something like that. And then you will want to write down what you're thinking, what you're feeling, really pay attention. Maybe write about your day and how you felt about each event. And then maybe you can read over it after some time, maybe, you know, maybe look back at this certain entry after like a month and see if it doesn't look strange to you. For example, other things you can do include listening to music. My throat's starting to act up. So... You can listen to music if that's something you, that you like to do. And then just really listen to it, maybe close your eyes and then feel 
whatever the emotion, like whatever song you like, maybe that song is, you know, uh, calling to you or you're resonating with it, right? Or if you like dancing, you can dance to express yourself, to move your body, right? Let yourself feel things with your actual movement rather than just mentally. Another thing you can do is maybe watch something, something that really makes you feel things, right? And then I guess uh, for me, right, uh, let's say when I was a teenager, I used to watch things and I used to, when I watch anime, I would feel things and I would uh, cry very often actually. Um, but when I was watching with people, I was, I pretty much hold it in, right? So maybe you, if you want to watch something and to feel something, maybe you watch it by yourself. And then another thing to do is see a therapist. Right, a good one. You gotta. Um, it's a really good idea to, I guess, kind of window shop or like shop around for therapists. See if they suit you. So if the first one feels a bit iffy, then you know you don't need to stay with them. You can go look around. You're not obliged. You know, you're not required to stay with them. And yes, it may be tiring to look around for therapists, but <clears throat> the whole field of therapy is just so it's so uh, mystified and it's so elusive nobody knows how it works so you kind of just have to learn how to find the right therapist it's just like when you first learned to do anything in life it doesn't happen straight away <clears throat> all right now lastly <clears throat> some people the argument exists that depression is a chemical imbalance, right? <clears throat> and so what that sounds like to me is that people are saying that you're born with it or uh, it's out of your control, right? That's what it sounds like people are saying when people say it's a chemical imbalance. <sighs> but it's not really out of our control. So, um, okay, so it's a chemical imbalance, right? Which means that we can't, you know, because we can't obviously go into our body and tell it what chemicals that it needs to produce. Like you gotta, you gotta not produce this chemical so that I cannot be depressed. It doesn't work like that, right? But if you force a smile, right? That wasn't really a good smile, but you know, you force a smile, then you release endorphins, right? If you exercise, forcing a smile takes one second, literally. You can do it for one second. And you're already controlling, you're already affecting your chemical, your insides, the chemical insides. And then if, it's, if you exercise, right, then you also release endorphins. You can do it for even one minute, you know, just do like 10 star jumps or jumping jacks or whatever they're called. There you go. Chemical manipulation. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> And now, you, if you, I guess, like, some people may want to, through some crazy twist of logic, you might want to misconstrue my point by suggesting that I'm suggesting that it's your fault that you became depressed because you chose not to smile or whatever, right? And no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, because I understand that everybody has their own circumstances, right? We're all doing our best to live our lives the best that we can and I guess I get that because I've also been through uh, things. I have self-defense mechanisms, right? So if you know a bit about them, basically self-defense mechanisms are used in pop, pop culture to describe behaviors of people when they are, um, when they have issues, right? So people enact self-defense behaviors when they have an issue. So it basically means that they're not healthy, 
<clears throat> but why is that? Because the term is self-defense mechanism. But then how does that mean that we're not doing good for ourselves? Shouldn't it mean that we are protecting ourselves? And the reason why is because when you were younger, everything in the world was much bigger, right? And everything therefore was more overwhelming. <laughs> we have inbuilt, I guess, mechanisms that activate when things are overwhelming to defend ourselves, hence self-defense mechanisms. And the problem is they stick maybe for a very long time, normally for a very long time. And they get to a point where they become maladaptive. At first, they were adaptive. And so they were correctly called self-defense mechanisms. But as we grow older, we don't really need them anymore. But they stay because our personality as a child, and the, the personality that we develop as a child tends to stick. <clears throat> so... It's kind of like in that sense with depression, let's call it a self-defense mechanism. We may have used it because we feeling anything would have been too much for us. And so our, sub, our unconscious, our, our inner selves decided that it was best to not feel. And it probably worked, right? Because that's why we're here today. If it was, if we did allow ourselves to feel in an, in an environment that was too overwhelming, then maybe we would have just like mentally been fried, but we're here and yeah, that's it. Um, again, it's not your fault that you became depressed or whatever it is that you have, it's not your fault. But unfortunately, only you can, well, ultimately, it's up to you to do something about it. So, yeah. All right. Um, I mean, I think that's it. So, uh, what do you think? Does this make sense to you? Has this given you a new perspective? Um, yeah. All right. I'll see you next time.